Eagles Entertainment. Everything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You're listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right, another week, and we're getting you ready for Eagles-Jags as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 413. At the top of today's show, we've got three and out, where I chat with my friend Chris McPherson and take a look at the state of the Eagles just a couple of days removed from the big win week three over the Washington Commanders, and also look ahead to this Jacksonville Jaguars team that cannot be taken lightly. We'll get into that there with C-Mac at the top of the show. After that, we've got Chalk Talk, where Ben Fennell and I, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into this matchup against the Jaguars. What things do you need to be watching in this game on Sunday? We will dive into that and then we'll close out the show with Faux Focus where I chat with really one of the most respected voices covering this Jaguars team right now uh, and that's John Shipley. Does an outstanding job for SI.com breaking down this Jacksonville Jaguars football team. So we'll dive into that uh, with John at the end of the show. Before we get there, a little bit of housekeeping as always. Make sure you head on over to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, Spotify. Leave us ratings. Leave us reviews. If you've got questions, leave it there in a comment box. We will answer it here on an upcoming show. Make sure you're checking out the Journey of the Draft podcast. Myself, Ben Fennell, Dane Brugler, Ross Tucker. We always have a long list of guests that come on every single week. Make sure you tune in to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Right now, the Eagles have two first-round picks as they sit here today. Number seven overall from the New Orleans Saints, number 31 uh, according to draft order. So uh, make sure you tune in to the Journey of the Draft podcast. Know who are the top prospects in college football as we sit here in early October. Uh, before we get on the rest, of the rest of the show, I actually caught up with Eagles wide receivers coach Aaron Moorhead this week on Eagles game plan. We talked a little bit about the wide receivers, Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, Quez Watkins. We talked a little uh, Zach Paschal. So just talking about this receiving core with Aaron Moorhead, here's a chunk of that segment. It's what we call tape study on Eagles game plan. I feel like we got to start talking with Devontae Smith. Uh, this is an outstanding performance from the second year wide receiver. And we'll go through one of his biggest catches of the day. Yeah, Devontae had a great game, you know, really uh, came out determined. And, uh, you know, it showed from the beginning of the game and, and, and went all the way through the fourth quarter. But uh, the guy, the guy's playing great football right now. And we got to continue to, uh, to to feed him the ball along with the rest of the guys. Yeah, so two 40-plus yard catches for Devontae in this game. This was the second one. Second quarter, take us through what you like more about this play. Because I went back and forth. I don't know if I like the route or the catch more. I, I guess it's got to be the finish. Uh, got to be the finish. <laughs> you know, you got it. When you when you jump over two guys, you get to you, the the finish is all all. Uh, you know, you really want to emphasize. Is that something that you feel is coachable, or guys are just like born? They wake up in the morning and they are they're able to do that. And there's a little bit of both, you know. But at the same time, it, of course, we drill everything, you know. But Devontae has shown that since high school through college, that's what he does. He's able to high point the football. Um, all of our guys have a true knack for high pointing the football. Um, Quez has shown it in games. AJ's shown it in games. Smitty hasn't had as many of these in games for whatever reason, but when you start to look at it, it's starting to come out this year. A little more opportunity to do that, and, and you know this was on full display here in this play. And obviously follows up a few plays later with a touchdown in the red zone where, once again, they're able to go up and high point the football. Absolutely. Another great play by him, a great play by Jalen, and uh, – you know, a great way to finish the half for us. So a little bit later in the game, uh, Devontae gets another explosive play in the pass game, this time out of empty where yeah. you've got Jalen Hurts in the backfield all by himself, Devontae in the slot. Coach, going into week four, Devontae leads the NFL, catches, yards, and first downs from empty sets. Uh, what is it about that kind of look that helps Devontae have success and just take us through this play? Well, I think, you know, you got to choose. Are you going to play in zone? Are you going to play in man? we got a lot of options. Yep. You know, you've got Kenny out here who's a viable threat as a wide receiver. Obviously, the three receivers we have in the game between Zach and and A.J. and Dallas uh, and then and then Devontae over here. So they got to choose. Are you going to be man? Are you going to be zone? Are you going to double somebody? And then Jalen has to dissect it all. So when you can throw the ball five yards down the field and get a 40-yard gain, uh, that, that's something that any coach in America would love to do at any level. So uh, we, we, we did this here, had a great execution, and uh, you know the guys – 
the guys really uh, stepped up and did some really good things in this game. You mentioned just the value of yards after catch, and it feels like all of these guys in this offense have that ability in their own specific skill set to be able to create with the ball in their hands. How important is that for an NFL offense? Absolutely. Uh, it's critical, you know, because defenses are good. They play different coverages, and there's times you just got to let your playmakers make plays. You saw that with Dallas on the touchdown yep. where he was able to run with it. A.J.'s had a number of run after the catches. We've seen it with Quez over the years. Pascal will get to see a little more as this year goes on, but he's done that throughout his career. So just excited. And even you saw Grant Calcaterra do it on his catch. So, I mean, there's a lot of guys that we have a lot of faith in that can do some run after the catch, and, and it makes it easier on everybody. And the line doesn't have to hold as long. Jalen just has to put the ball where it's supposed to be, and guys, you know, do what they do what they've been doing. A lot of them since they were little kids. So fast forward a little bit now, we get the the touchdown from Jalen to, to AJ Brown again out of an empty set with Jalen in the backfield by himself. Take us through what makes this play work so well. You're getting the defense spread out first of all, so so it's a good picture for Jalen to see where he thinks he wants to go with the ball. Uh, he he looks out there, makes sure everybody's on the same page, and then he and then AJ. You know, when you look at it, this is a special first touchdown for him. You know, he gets to get out there. He was super excited about it. But just running a simple slant, he gets in front of the DB, uses his big body to shield him. Jalen puts the ball in his body for him. A.J. makes a nice catch with his hands and is able to use all that 225 pounds to get himself into the end zone. I feel like a lot of people might look at this ball from Jalen and say, oh, he threw it behind the receiver. But with the corner playing front side shoulder, that's exactly where that ball needs it to be, It had to right? be, and he trusts A.J. that he's going to make that play. And A.J.'s made this play over and over since he's been here uh, in practice and games. So uh, it, was just, it, was, it was a great executed play uh, in, in, in a really timely play for our offense in the game. We kind of needed it. We were getting going. And this was kind of where I think things took off for us. So it was a really good job there uh, by the whole offense. All right, so for that entire segment, be sure to check out uh, our Eagles game plan show, which drops on Friday, uh, we'll say early afternoon, on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, all of the Eagles digital channels. Now, uh, let's get the show started. Excited to catch up with my friend Chris McPherson. It's time for 3 and Out. How about this for a start? They've got him again! What a defensive stop. Slave second pick of the game. Oh, I'm going to have to call him big play. And this defense does the job. One, two, three and out. All right, time to get going here with three and out as I welcome in Chris McPherson. And it is actually... Uh, Notable this segment, uh, C-Mac. The okay. Eagles defense, the best at forcing three and outs in football right now. Ooh, so uh, very we, good. Uh, we can celebrate here uh, with three and out this week. Dang it. The Eagles are three and oh, three and out. Uh, one of my, you stole one of my stats. I mean, what are oh, we did doing? I really? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> got say, a little more to the table. All right, that. go for so, it. All right, so number one here. Number we're going to bring some juice to this here. I've got a message for the fans who are coming to the link on Sunday. And look, if you're tailgating outside the link, if you're watching on TV at home, the Eagles are going to need the energy because this Jags team cannot, I state, cannot be overlooked. This is a very good Jacksonville team coming to Philadelphia on Sunday. Their first place in the AFC South was a 2-1 and record. They lost to Washington in Week 1, but since then, they shut out their division rival Colts. Colts, who meanwhile upset the Kansas City Chiefs last week. And then they demolished the Los Angeles Chargers last week, 38-10 to 10 to 38 points, the most points scored by any team in the league in week three. Now, going beyond the record, Jaguars are number two in total DVOA, according to Football Outsiders, okay? Eagles are in top five as well. They're fourth, in fact. But Jacksonville is number two, and the offense is fifth. The defense is fourth. Okay, this is a complete team coming to Lincoln Financial Field. The offense is right now humming. With Trevor Lawrence, second-year quarterback, he's big, he's athletic. Doug Peterson likes to get him on the move. He gets rid of the ball quickly, strong arm. They've reinforced the offensive line with Brandon Scherf. Zay Jones, Christian Kirk on the outside. They're the number two, number three wide receiver duo, I should say, in the entire league, according to Pro Football Focus. Uh, skinny Batman, Devontae Smith, and Swole Batman, A.J. Brown, they're number two, yeah. okay? So... Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, you know, big ticket for agent acquisition, both playing outstanding. Travis Etienne, James Robinson, great one-two punch coming out of the backfield. Evan Ingram, Eagles fans know him from his days of the Giants. This is a complete offense. Defensively, you got Josh Allen, tied for fourth in the league with 18 combined sacks, quarterbacks, hits, and hurries. They have Trayvon Walker, the number one overall pick in the draft. Lights out. You know, and then Foyer Oluwakan. Eagles fans got to see him last year when he was playing for the Atlanta Falcons in week one. He has tremendous range, flies all over the field. 
Doug Peterson has brought a sense of credibility to this franchise immediately. And you got to factor that storyline in as well. I don't know what he's going to bring on Sunday, wanting to exact a little revenge on his former team. Over under one and a half trick plays from the Jaguars on over. Sunday. Over. Over. Over under three and a half trick plays for the Jaguars <laughs> on Sunday. I'll, I'll take the under. I mean, I'm looking at two to three here. I mean, I, I imagine Doug Pearson's going to pull out the bag of tricks here. Yep. I mean, I can't imagine he would do a Philly special, a Philly Philly against, against his uh, former team here. But, you know, we had a big storyline like this with Carson Wentz last week. You know, Doug Pearson, he, I'm sure he's going to downplay it all week, but he is going to want to send a message to his former team. So I think that's just one of the, the fact that they are playing really, really well. You know, they are coming off long West Coast road trip. They got to come back, you know, up the East Coast for this game. Back-to-back road trips will be tough, but nonetheless, though, still a very good team. Again, Trevor Lawrence uh, looked sensational last week against the Chargers. That's the thing is that Trevor Lawrence, he's going to have his share of misses over the course of a game still. Greg Cosell talked about how he's gotten better from last year to this year for certain. But I think when you look at the way that they're playing right now, the ball is coming out fast. Real fast. He's not putting the ball in harm's way. Uh, they're not taking a lot of sacks to, uh, to that note. Uh, and they do a lot of different things to get their guys open. You know, a lot of motion, a lot of bunch, a lot of screens. They're creating a lot of easy layup throws in there for Trevor Lawrence, but then he's also got the ability to create uh, as well. And so when you factor in all of that with some of the weapons they have, you know, Kirk, uh, you, we mentioned Travis Etienne, uh, that that running ba- running game with James Robinson downhill. He's the he's their leading route. He's the the big time like between the tackles back, and then they'll bring ETN as more of a, a change of pace, like perimeter run um, kind of a kind of a scheme. But I think when you look at the way that this offense wants to play, they're going to take care of the football. I'm more like, you know, like alarms going off with this defense. I, I The way that that defense played, I've been so impressed over the last three weeks watching them go, um, you know, just fearsome up front, multiple up front, very violent, very athletic, more so than any of the other teams the team that the Eagles have played so far. This defense is, is going to be a true, true test. And so uh, we'll get into, obviously, the, the offense a little bit here in this segment. But uh, this is a big test here against this Jags defense. No question. Let's transition to number two. Yeah. It's the second-half offense for the Eagles. So looking at some of the numbers, in the second quarter of games, second quarter alone, Eagles are clearly number one in the league, averaging nearly 22 points a game in the second quarter. I mean – 22 points alone for an entire game is obviously it's not outstanding, but that would be respectable. They're doing this in the second quarter of games on average. Okay. Now, Baltimore, just for you know, comparison's sake, Baltimore is second in the league, eleven point seven points per game. Double. Is, yeah, so nearly double that. Okay, but in the second half of games, the Eagles are averaging four point seven points per game in the Shut entire out second the last half. Two weeks. Yep. Shut out over the last two weeks. No points this year in the fourth quarter of games. One of only four teams to have accomplished that. So Look at who's number four in the league in second half scoring, Jacksonville, because they've been doing some comfort behinds, been real strong in the second half of games. Now, obviously the situations, the Eagles have had big leads in the second half of each of these games. And at times they've moved the ball well. So that's not it's not been they haven't been able to move the ball. It's you have to factor in a situation, but you feel like you, you don't just feel like you know at some point they're gonna have to have it. They're gonna have to execute and score points on one of these second half fourth quarter drives could be this Sunday. You talked about Jacksonville's ferocious defense. That, to me, is one of the things that I'm going to watch. It's not that they haven't moved the ball. It's just they've not been able to put points on the board to capitalize on these drives. It was the only meat left on the bone, I felt, from this past Sunday's uh, post-game show with myself, Gabriella DiGiovanni, and Ike Reese. Hilarious uh, show. It was Phenomenal such a show. Fun. It was like one of my favorite post-game shows no I've ever question. done. And the only thing I had left on my note sheet going into the game was uh, going into that night was just talking about second-half offense because – you know, second week in a row, no points. You know, that, you know, I knew that was going to be a discussion point. It hasn't been as much this week as I expected it to be, which is fine because I think that you have to kind of make the decision: is are we a victim of it being a small sample size, or is it a cause for concern? I'm much more with the former. I do feel like it's a it's a small sample size, like you mentioned. With, with you have to contextualize it. In each of the last two games, the Eagles have been you know they were comfortably ahead at halftime, and by the time you get to the fourth quarter. 
They're taking the air out of the football. Yeah. They only had two drives this past Sunday uh, against Washington. That last one, it was four-minute drill. You know, By the time they crossed midfield and they got that final first down, all right, we're kneeling on the ball. Same thing happened against Minnesota. Um, it, I think when you look at uh, those drives in the second half of games, like, yeah, like there are some, there, all right, a penalty derails it, and, and that's that. And then you have a, a, a sack on first down. or You, you know what I mean? Like you had those negative plays where you start to see them move the ball, and then the drive just kind of stalled out. And then the next time they got it back, all right, well, now they're running it and they're, they're sitting on the ball. You know what I mean? So it's, I feel like it is a, uh, a more, a, more of a matter of uh, the small sample size as, a, as opposed Agreed. to a matter of concern, um, you know, just for, for the listeners. Uh, but, yeah, at some point, it's not going to be a three-score game in the second no. half. At some point, this, is, this team is going to have to be, you know, they're going to have face some adversity. You know, they're not going to play as well early on or the defense won't play as well. It'll be a tight game, and you're, the offense is going to have to go down and have one of these fourth-quarter drives. I mean, the Eagles have a bullseye on their back. Yeah. Okay? The only undefeated team in the NFC. We're recording this on Wednesday. Dolphins play on Thursday. By Sunday, the Eagles could be the lone undefeated team. All right, everyone's going to be starting to take their best shot because they're starting to be at the top of power rankings and things of that nature. So that aspect of how they're going to respond to that, that's going to be interesting to watch. So going to my last point here, talking okay. about how we're recording this on Wednesday. On Thursday, the league will announce their Players of the Month. Now, Brandon Graham received the Player of the Week honors for the first time in his career. NFC awesome. Defensive Player of the Week, two and a half sacks, five quarterback hits, so well-deserved. Three games, three Player of the Week honors, I fully expect Jalen Hurts to be named the NFC Offensive Player of the Month come Thursday, okay? Nothing's been announced, not official, but just looking at the big picture of his week-by-week performances, week one against the Lions, it was the relentless blitz and man coverage, being with his arm, being with his legs. Week two, Jalen Hurts picks apart the zone defense of the Minnesota Vikings. Last week, the run game bottled up by Washington. He was sensational, especially throwing the ball deep. It's like... This offense has become so much fun to watch because every week the defense, opposing defense, has tried to come up with something different, a different way to stop Jalen Hurts, and he's had an answer for every situation. Just want to go into some of the numbers here. Jalen Hurts, one of only two NFL quarterbacks, the only one in the NFC with 1,000 or more total yards, second to Josh Allen of the Bills, 916 passing yards, first in the NFC, 167 rushing yards, leads all NFC quarterbacks, second to Lamar Jackson. He is... First in the NFL, 9.4 yards per passing attempt. And he ranks first in the NFC with a 106.5 passer rating. By the way, he has done it all while committing one turnover this season. He has just been sensational. Which is the one that bounced off Kenny Gainwell's hands. Yes. So he's taking great care of the football. I mean, I just love the approach that he's brought and the, the, the role model, the standard that he has set to get this team in this position. I cannot wait to see what the next it, – it's becoming – that offense was so much fun to watch on Sunday against Washington, the way he would just unleash the ball. He would go deep. He'd go to the sideline. He was going wherever he wanted with it. Offensive line is playing phenomenal. He's got the skill position weapons to make things happen no matter what the coverages are. Jalen Hurts is balling out right now, and it's just so much fun to watch. No, no doubt. I think when you look at the way that Jalen's playing, and then the way that the scheme is working for him as well, uh, I think that you're seeing. You know, the, right now the Eagles are leading the NFL in 15 plus yard pass plays. Right. Amazing. So, uh, and you look at it, and you're like, all right, well, let's just let you know, take take stock. How are these plays happening? Is it? And you think back to some of the offenses that have led in that category over the last few years, and you think, oh, the, what's the identity? Uh, you know, the Tampa Bay Bucks. Oh, well, this is a vertical offense. The ball comes out of t- Tom Brady's hands, and he's thrown it up to Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and uh, you know Antonio Brown. You go back, you think back to the LA Rams last year. You just go down the line. With this team, I look at it, and it's a lot of what we talked about in training camp every day, C-Mac. It's, it, okay, yeah, there's going to be the deep balls to A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. We saw we saw that last week. There's going to be your basic quick game where, all right, we're going to drop back and you're going to hit, uh, you know, maybe it's going to be A.J. Brown on a shallow cross, or maybe it's going to be Devontae Smith on a hitch route, and he's going to make one man miss and go. Maybe it's going to be a screen pass to, to Dallas Goddard where it's 23 yards to the house and a touchdown. Maybe it's going to be a quick RPO. Maybe it's going to be a play-action play. Maybe, you know what I mean? You start getting into it, you're like, oh, they're, they're just, there are a lot of ways – for them to be able to create chunk yardage. And it's not just one guy. It's not just one element of the scheme. It's it's a really, really fun situation to be able to watch this pl- this all play out uh, on that side of the football. Jalen Hurts can do it all. He's yeah. been the point guard of this offense. Again, he has the running element as well. Didn't need as much last week. Washington you know, did a great job noting this in, in your column. Washington doing a, using a spy, doing a great job of, of keeping him at bay. So 
you know, it's every week, you know, it, it gets to that sample size thing. It gets to a point where you're like, okay, teams have tried just about everything. They've thrown everything at Jalen. He's found an answer to every situation. So kudos to obviously him, Nick Sirianni, and Shane Steichen for the game plans they've put together to, to this point. No doubt. We'll see, Mac. We'll be back uh, next week. We'll be breaking it down, see what the Eagles do against the Jaguars this week. Thanks once, once again for joining us for 3 and Out. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, let's now transition into Chalk Talk as I welcome in Ben Fennel. And Ben, uh, let's first kind of talk through this uh, this Eagles-Jaguars matchup through the prism of Eagles game plan. And we'll start uh, where we started in the show, and that's with the Eagles offense going up against this Jaguars defense. And we started the block off with uh, Mike Quick breaking down that Dallas Goddard touchdown. I just thought that was a really well-designed play. And screens, I think, could, uh, could come into a play here, really on both sides uh, of this game, but especially for the Eagles offense against this Jacksonville D. Well, it's a good play and it's a good concept for a number of reasons. Firstly, it puts a player in position to be successful using one of his skill sets, which is Dallas Goddard, yards after catch. So first and foremost, great idea in how to use one of their offensive weapons. Secondly, it's a great scheme. The misdirection against fast flow linebackers which, you know, Jameen Davis and Cole Holcomb last week were incredibly quick to trigger the run game, which is a good idea against our run game. So you give a little eye candy, a little bit of a pulling tackle concept on there, a little bit of a zone read with the quarterback running back, so it looked believable. And then I also just like those run fakes against the upfield defensive line, Yep. you know, to kind of keep that pass rush at bay and keep them guessing uh, as far as run and pass. So the misdirection, the play action into the screen game, which high percentage throw, anytime you can throw it a couple yards, get an explosive play out of it. It's a great, great marriage there. So a lot of different wrinkles to it and a great play call and a great situation and great putting players in positions to win. Checking a lot of boxes. We, we love play action screens, but like, tackle power play action is like next level because no not, not a lot of teams run tackle power. So when you have Lane Johnson and Jordan Mailata, you can get away with running tackle power uh, because of the athleticism those guys have as pullers mm-hmm. to the play side. Uh, and so if you're a linebacker, you're like, oh, tackle power, here we go again. Like it's the, it's that GTA meme. You're like, oh, here we go, here we go again. And those guys are just flying downhill, completely takes them out. And it's no fault of the linebackers. Exactly. That's their right. run key. They got a pulling guard. You better get downhill and meet it because yep. when it is run action and you didn't trigger quickly, it's your fault. So that's the kind of cat and mouse and the head game and the chess match you play, uh, you know, in 60 minutes between the white lines out there. And, you know, there's so many other, you know, wrinkles to it. The pre-snap motion, yep. suddenly just getting some information for the offense. Is it man? Is it zone? There's different aspects of the screen game that have to be deployed if it's man or it's zone. And then other things, getting Kelsey out in space, say Amalo out in space, finding ways to accentuate the best traits of our players. A lot, a lot of different wrinkles and layers of that play. We could talk for another 30 minutes about it if we wanted to. Yeah, no question. I think, again, it just comes down to uh, being able to find ways, like you said, to be able to put your players in position uh, to be able to win the game. Both the Eagles and Jaguars right now, as we stand here after three weeks, in the top eight of screen percentage so far in the NFL. And by the way, tight end, little dump screens. Great concepts. Oh, I love a tight end see them across the NFL consistently enough. I think we think so much about the running back screens, get the ball to the perimeter for receiver screens. Don't forget about those tight ends. Great blend of size, speed, agility, athleticism, and a little dump-off pass with some room to run. You want to get those big kind of uh, moose-like receivers uh, out in the open field. Yeah, any any kind of guess as to who is like crushing right now in terms of screen percentage? Like, there's one team that's like way out in front in terms of screen percentage. Twenty seven percent of their pass plays have been screens. Well, my two low hanging fruit uh, answers would be Andy Reid and the Chiefs. Obviously, okay. creative screen game in a variety of ways. They like working in Kelsey, the running backs, the receivers, and then Cliff Kingsbury and getting that ball out, air raid spread offense with uh, Kyler Murray. Love the receiver screens out there. All right, so Arizona is number five, just ahead of the Eagles. Okay. So good, good call with that one. The Chiefs are actually all the way down to number 20 uh, this year. Come on, Andy. All right, he's keeping some in the back pocket for the playoff run. Okay. Chicago Bears, 27.7% of their passes have been screens. Carolina at 20% uh, right after that. Green Bay, just under that. Uh, Like I said, the Eagles at 6, Jaguars at 8. And I think some caveats to that, Chicago also not a lot of volume of plays uh, thus far through three weeks. They're also way skewed. 47 passes. The second, the Carolina's got 88. They're the second. They're super skewed in play action run percentage too like I, I always look at play action plus run percentage yep 
They're like 72%. They're mm. way out in front. So I don't think that's necessarily a detriment to the offensive design, just not enough volume to kind of balance it out. All right, so the reason why we liked the having the screenplay in there is going up against this Jaguars defense, which, you know, it was just over just about a week ago, you and I first turned on the tape of this group. Dude, they are a bunch of ass kickers up front. It was just it was a really fun team to be able to go back and study defensively, personnel-wise and schematically. This is a this is a really good group. No question. And particularly we're talking the front seven. Yes. Of some really impressive players up front, some free agent additions that have really meshed well, some young guys and some versatile players. I almost wanted to do a Venn diagram of their D line because they have the early down guys and yep. Davon Hamilton and uh, uh Foley that came F- over. Fatsukasi, yep. Came over from the Jets, great sneaky free agent uh uh, acquisition there. And then when you get to the middle of the Venn diagram, that's the Roy Robertson Harris's. That's Trayvon Walker. That's Josh Allen. Guys that play up front and are every down players. They're the first down guys, the second down into the sub packages. Yep. You typically get the Hamiltons and Foley's off the field for the sub packages, although Davon Hamilton did have a nice rush against the right guard Zion Johnson. He gives you a little bit more juice. On yeah. third and seven. They yep. were up a little bit in the second half, so you saw some different packages. Let him work on some pass rush against the rookie out there. So you're getting those contributions from a guy like that on third down that just um just uh if you get com- contributions from davon hamilton on third and sevens of the world that's just uh you're playing you're playing with fire there but just to see how they deploy the sub package group versus the early down group then you get on arden key and clavion chason in this pass rush package where it's sometimes Dewan four smooth. or five Dewan smoot four or five defensive end outside linebacker types with all sorts of walking around movement stunts twists there was a play last week where all 11 were walking around yep so there's a very confusing kind of concepts with athletic talent. It's an aggressive scheme. It's a personnel-based scheme. It's situational scheme. Really good players. It's it's a fun front to watch. I was really impressed. Unfortunately, we have to play them this week. <laughs> but aside from that, this is a group that I think is going to be you know, on the forefront of the kind of watch them every week type of film. Uh, type of film study. I think so, because especially you factor in the, the mm-hmm. linebackers as well, uh, Foye Luakun and then Devin Lloyd, both of those guys and how they insert themselves, not just into the pressure scheme, but their sideline to sideline speed makes them a factor on every single play. Now, you can get both of them a little bit because they are more of the fast flow nature. So when you get into some of those play action screens and misdirections, you know, some of the jet action, like all those different tools in your toolbox to be able to mess with linebackers' eyes, that can come into play with both of these linebackers. But at the end of the day, this is a very athletic, very violent, very intense group that plays to the echo of the whistle. They chase the football down. They're very versatile. All these guys, like you mentioned, can line up inside and outside, uh, off the edge, stand up, three-point stance. Um, it's just it's a really good group. The, the, the Eagles offensive line, certainly one of the best in the league. This defensive front is going to be their biggest test yet and probably their biggest test for a while. They do a great job of deploying <clears throat> excuse me, situational personnel, like I just mentioned. Yep playing fast, physical, violent, in a pretty basic schematic deployment. Yeah. And that's a beautiful balance. Calling it basic defensive deployment isn't a negative. It's saying they play very safe schemes, but dress it up, disguise it, play very violent and physical. I mean, that's what Matt Eberflus did with the, the Colts for a number of years. Right. Pretty basic zone coverages, but they're going to play smart, fast, physical. They're not going to make the mistakes. And that's kind of what you're seeing with this Jacksonville team. And a guy like a Rayshon Jenkins really sets the tone. That guy flies around 100 miles an hour. Listen, he makes mistakes, but he does it at full speed and with intensity. Uh, and it's great to see young Andre Sisco back there as a mainstay safety as well. Seems like he's fully healthy since kind of being a dinged-up prospect in the draft. Yep. Uh, but they took a chance on some of these guys like Walker Little and Sisco. And I think they're sitting here laughing uh, at the end of the day, you know, on the backside of all those picks. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a really good defense. It's a team with uh, guys that have uh, outstanding traits on both sides. And we'll get into this Jaguars offense here in a little bit. But let's first uh, just get into some of the things we you saw. Know, from real the quick, defense. before we put that defense to bed, I yeah. think we'd be remiss to not give a full mention to Arden Key. Yeah, I mean Arden Key. We know the journey he's been on. I believe it's his third team in four or five years. He's playing all over that defense. Nose tackle and sub fronts. Play defensive end in some base packages. A lot of post-snap movements and twists. At the end of the day, just playing hard, hustling, flying around. I think it was the last drive of the game. 
<clears throat> excuse me, last week in the Chargers on a multi-score game late in the fourth quarter, hustling with his hair on fire. Yep. Like, just to see that type of infectious play from the Arden Keys of the world, which I don't know what their expectations were uh, going into the season for a key, but he's not only just a role player and contributor, he seems like a mainstay of that line. He's infectious. He's a tone setter. Uh, and really nice to see uh, him kind of emerge at the other side of this. He is absolutely a name uh, to, to keep an eye on. A bunch of guys in the 40s there uh, along yeah. that defensive <laughs> front, and he's one of them uh, to keep an eye on. Now, um, for the Eagles defensive line, obviously a pretty big performance this past week, nine sacks against Washington. Uh, not just defensive line-oriented plays, though, right? We saw plenty of stuff on the back seven, and that was one of the plays we had Ike Reese break down was uh, the the back seven doing a great pass off in pattern match zone coverage against that mesh play third and medium they're able to force Carson Wentz to hold on to the football and allow Brandon Graham and Hassan Reddick to be able to get home uh, but those coverage sacks uh, the, the, to me like those plays mean more to me than in terms of like the future of this defense and sustaining success than like Brandon Graham just winning off the edge on one-on-one or Hargrave and Frederick Cox ping-ponging back and forth. Like I love those full-team sacks a little bit more just because I think that's more sustainable. Yeah, and I just love the complementative nature of this defense in the scheme that they could get aggressive, dial up a lot of blitzes in Week 2 against Kirk Cousins. What do we see? A lot of free hitters. Yep. That typically forces the ball out. This week, sitting back, playing a little bit more coverage, more four- and five-man base rushes. Typically, quarterback's going to have an extra counter too. Because that means defensive linemen have to win their battles. We're not just having free hitters with free lanes to the quarterback. And the coverage needs to do their job on the back end. So a lot of those nine sacks and nearly 20 QB pressures were because Carson had to hold the ball. And that's a credit to the defense, not only being in the right spot, but communicating well. As you had mentioned, zone schemes, man schemes. You know, matchup schemes like you had mentioned where it starts zone and eventually clamp on and uh, take a certain guy. Just the deployment of the different ways this defense can win through three weeks. Really, really impressive. All three levels, different schemes. Coaching gets credit. Players get credit. The team gets credit. Really, really impressive. You and I have been talking about just the communication on the back seven. Just been so, so impressive, Uh, especially these last couple games. They're going to need that here this week against Jacksonville, where uh, I believe they rank number three right now in bunch sets. It's a quick timing-based offense. The ball's going to come out of Trevor Lawrence's hands, uh, and that was something we had Greg Cosell kind of illustrate uh, in this show, was that uh, the ball's going to come out fast and you're going to get some creativity as well yeah you know a lot of the similar concepts that you know Doug had uh, under his tutelage with Carson Wentz here in those first couple years a lot of defined reads QB friendly concepts and route combinations that you know he doesn't maybe have to work full field progressions and uh, you know some more difficult concepts uh, for young quarterbacks so we're seeing a lot of our old concepts that worked beautifully here 16 17 18 and that kind of heyday era Uh, and it also does a great job at Doug he features his players and I think making the quarterback's life easy having an identity and putting your best players in positions to win That's the three-headed monster, Doug Peterson, and you're seeing that with Trevor Lawrence, the offense, and the way they use guys like Christian Kirk and ETN and Evan Ingram, and you know we'd love to make connections to each of those guys with our you know previous Eagles era. Yeah, do you have any? I mean, it's so easy to see some of that. You know, Evan Ingram is is the Trey Burton of the world. You know, to see him in H back roles and wing roles and out in the slot and to feature him in the red zone and all those things that Trey Burton wanted to do. Listen, Trey Burton wasn't a traditional Y or U type end in this league neither neither is Evan Ingram and that's okay find ways to feature what they do well and I think that's Christian Kirk too you know he's not going to line up outside the numbers or run goes all day long so what do you do slots bunches stacks backfield alignments all those creative ways to get Kirk the ball and feature what he does well I just think Doug Peterson's doing a really good job and there's a lot of new bodies and you know blood on that you know offense and the whole team in general. So we had to kind of get this thing together in one off season. Not a lot of former Eagle disciples, no, you know, to hold it together as we see around the league. Typically, a new coaching staff to make the transition. You get guys that know the system and the scheme. Not here. So you had new coaches, new players off the street, like you know Brandon Scherf, who seems like he's had a resurgence now that he's healthy. So really impressive, both sides of the ball, particularly the offense and what Doug has done. Uh, talking about Christian Kirk, I, there was a, a tweet that I, I retweeted just before we went to air. It's from Graham Barfield from uh, FantasyPoints.com, um, and looking at Christian Kirk, and he's the, the, this really stood out to me. 
running 81% of his routes from the slot and is getting a ton of targets against linebackers and safeties as a result. Just 41% of Christian Kirk's targets have come against a corner in coverage. That is the second lowest rate among the 35 receivers with at least 20 targets this year. Oh, so, when you're, you know, so when you're looking at uh, what they try and do to fi- find favorable matchups for him, it's like what we talked about with how the Eagles have been doing that with Devontae Smith you know, inside in the slot. It's a lot of the same things with Christian Kirk, but you're getting some of those backfield reps as well to really kind of hammer that point home. And I'd imagine Devontae's not too far down that list that as far my, as you know, know, receptions yep. against non-corners based on how they were used. Obviously, watching the way Kirk worked against those Washington commanders in week one, love to take a page out of that last week and the way we played the commanders as well. Uh, so finding matchups for not only our own Devontae Smith, but the Christian Kirks of the world. You know, that's why uh, Nick Sirianni's and Doug Peterson's are sitting here with uh, winning records in the NFL. All right, well, let's take a look now at some uh, some other numbers that you and I have pulled. I actually have one for myself uh, this week, Ben. It's not, I'm not just leaning on you here for this all one, right, but right. I, will let, I will let you kick it off. Uh, what's your number to, to take a look at? Well, it's crazy to, you know, get through 15 minutes of conversation and really not mention Jalen Hurts sure. in 2022. And I just have to give some credit to him, obviously, mani- managing the game at a elite level right now. One turnover-worthy play according to PFF thus far this season, tied with Mr. Tom Brady. Yeah. Also known for not putting the ball in harm's way. Uh, that's quarterbacks with at least 100 dropbacks. What ball do you, what, which play do you think it was? Because I know they did not count the interception as So one. he threw a stop route to A.J. Brown this past week, and the ball was about a yard inside, and Got the it. corner was squatting on it. That's and what it was. He was a little clumsy into the catch point. Okay. But if the corner was on his feet, it could have been a – he out-leveraged the receiver on the play, and that was probably the first, as PFF likes to say, turnover-worthy, yep. first ball I've seen put in harm's way yeah. in three games, which is just credit to Jalen Hurts and the way he's managed this game, and they throw a lot on him you know, with the way he has to manage the game with the quarterback runs, the option stuff, the pre-snap reads, um, and the fact that the moment has never looked too big for him. I don't even know if he's looked out of breath. I don't even know if I've seen a bead of sweat drop off his forehead at any point this season. He just yeah. looks so calm. I don't know if it's like the way he does his post-game speeches, his media appearances. This guy is just baseline steady, whether he's winning national championships or the Eagles might have the first pick in the draft. He is the same guy, and it's refreshing to see, and I think that's what you want. I don't know if I like the emotional up-and-down variants and riding the waves, and you get fiery, and then you get down, and... This guy is cool, calm, collective. He is as CEO as it gets, and he is looking like he is quietly having a lot of fun out there, and they're playing good football. That's what we were talking about in the last segment with C-Mac, is like that they haven't had to have that like fourth quarter where it's like crunch time, and they, and they need to go and like have that kind of drive. And it feels like with the way that Jalen's playing, like he's ready for that moment, right? Just because of uh, the poise that he has shown so far through three games. But um, no, I mean, he's been, he's been awesome. Like, I don't even know like what else there is to say. I guess like as we continue to get like bigger sample, bigger sample, bigger sample, I think it'll be even more notable. I mean, we could sit here and talk 10 minutes about his ball placement. Right. I could talk for 10 minutes about him getting down in the open field. Yep. Like he is just playing so smart. And to not take those hits and those types of managements of your body. Jalen Hurts is an important guy to this team. He knows it. Do the right thing in the open field, around the sidelines. And, you know, for everyone that I guess you want to praise that he slid in the open field, he also cut it back inside and, you know, took on defenders in the end zone too. So what am I talking about? So uh, (laughs) Jalen Hurts, just really, really impressive. And we just had to kind of give a hat tip to him. So I want to go to the quarterback on the other side because as we were, we were obviously we've spent a lot of time the last few days thinking about the Jacksonville Jaguars and getting ready for this matchup and you know watching the offense and Trevor Lawrence the way that he is operating within the structure of this scheme right now he's fourth in the NFL as we sit here today in average time to throw so the ball is coming out pretty fast and uh, one of the other things that kind of stood out to me is that um, they're third in the NFL in sack percentage he's only been sacked on 2.4 percent of dropbacks but he's 25th in QB hit percentage so this is one of those things where it's like oh, you were just there, but you couldn't quite get him down because, again, the ball is is worked in that scheme to get out of the quarterback's hand fast. So anything you can do if you're the Eagles' defense to force him to hold it a little bit for, uh, longer or because he hasn't really turned the ball over much either. He's pretty low on the turnover-worthy play margin as well. Um, you know, He's thrown one pick at 118 passes. That's the best mark uh, in the NFL. Um, I think when you're looking at just trying to get home, that's going to be a little bit tough uh, here in this game. But at the end of the day as well, on the place where he does hold it, 
he leads the NFL in touchdown throws outside the pocket. You and I have commented going back to Clemson how good he was throwing the ball into his move, not just to his right but to his left as well. Um, so that's what, to me, like makes him so difficult. And it goes back to when uh, that Doug Peterson offense was really humming here in Philly. Is like, yeah, play within structure. And we can we can drop the, the drop the the, uh, the groceries on you uh, <laughs> offensively with uh, you know the, the big play outside of structure as well. He's able to do that. And the thing is, he can escape pressure. He gets outside of the pocket, and he's staying in distributor mode. Yeah. So while he's breaking the pocket quite a bit, you had mentioned six touchdowns outside of the pocket. He has two scrambles. Yep. In three games, he is not just taking off and running if he sees it. He may break the pocket. His eyes are up the entire way. He wants to get rid of that ball. And I think you saw it in the, was it week one or week two? It was a play-action boot kind of waggle play. He could have ran it in. Christian Kirk was right there. He kind of dumped and it Chris off Kirk's like, hey, you're paying me this money. Throw me this ball. But that's kind of <laughs> Trevor Lawrence needs to do his job, and he yeah. has been as yep. a first, foremost point guard distributor. So I love the fact that he's getting outside the pocket, keeping his eyes up, because that's where a lot of big plays happen in the NFL. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is this style of play in the NFL right now, to find Reed, get the ball out, and then outside the pocket, that's the kind of – You know, mad scientist formula that a lot of young quarterbacks are being asked to do. Primary read, not there, get out of town. And that's kind of what you're seeing from Lawrence. Primary read, rip it, be decisive. If you don't like it, get out of Dodge. Mm -hmm. Keep your eyes up, though, when you get out of Dodge. Don't just take off and run because Christian Kirk's working on scramble drills and big plays happen late in the down with coverage breakdowns, especially when you get outside the pocket. So. That's a great balance of what young quarterbacks are being asked to do. Give them the fine read, easy completions, quarterback friendly, but if it's not there, get out of dodge. Don't have to always go one to two to three to four, make progression, see the whole field, hang in the pocket. Some vicious guys on those defensive lines just waiting for you to hold that ball two and a half, three seconds. So I love the formula of what he's being asked to do. Uh, ben, you got a matchup that you're going to be like most honed in on uh, for this game? Because for, for me... I look at these Eagles receivers, and I look at A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. I look at the, the Jacksonville secondary, which I'm, I'm excited to ask John Shipley his thoughts on uh, where uh, Jack Griffin is at this point in terms of from a health standpoint. Trey Herndon got the start outside, uh, you know, along with uh, Darius Williams, who, who's, uh, who's played a lot of ball for them as well. Uh, Tyson Campbell, uh, the other starting corner. Both those guys, when I look at Griffin and Campbell, height, weight, speed for sure, but both guys over the course of their career, um, both college and in the NFL, have struggled to find the ball late. And what do we see with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, those guys can find the ball, uh, and so uh, to me, like that's just like one like small part of this matchup where I say like, yeah, like big advantage uh, to Eagles, and I, I think that that's one to focus on. You know, to kind of cop out just a little bit, I really want to see Shane Steichen against Mike Caldwell in the yeah. chess match. Watching that Jags tape, you know, the past few days, I think at one point I just sat back in my chair and was like, how are you going to run the ball against these guys? So I really just want to see the chess match of how we're going to attack them with the run game. You know Philly's not just going to abandon the run. They can attack you so many different ways in the run game. So how quarterback runs, maybe some pin-pull sweeps, get to the perimeter. They've been setting really strong edges. No question. They're strong on the edge, and they're strong down the middle. It's going to be a tough sledding. Um, But collectively, I just want to see some of the battles up front. So maybe our undersized guys, the Kelseys, the Sayamalos, can you get them on the move, some sweeps, some pulls, versus trying to just move the Davon Hamiltons and Foley's out there. So a lot of chess match kind of with scheme, a lot of tough battles up front. Really, that Jags D-line against our offensive line, that's that's as good as it gets right now, week four, 2022. You know one thing that hasn't really been talked about really all week, I'm surprised it hasn't become more of a storyline, is um, you know the the fact that Mike Caldwell comes from Tampa, uh, and obviously the, the Eagles played the Bucks twice last year, once in the playoffs, and the offense really, really struggled uh, against that defense. And I wonder how much of that of those game plans will Mike Caldwell bring to the table here on Sunday? Is that going to be something that we're going to see? I, I think that when you look at the, this defense on its face, it is pressure, pressure, pressure. In that game, especially the playoff game, it wasn't necessarily all about pressure. They played a lot of coverage uh, in that game and focused in it. So I, I'm excited to see uh, – I shouldn't say excited. I'm interested to see how the, the how the Jags approach this game from a philosophical and standpoint. And their defense has taken on a similar tone to say, we are discouraging, discouraging you going into the game of running the football. Yeah. And that's what the Bucks were all about yep. the past two, three years under Todd Bowles and, you know, Mike Caldwell as an assistant there. We dare you to run the ball on us. So I think you get a little discouraged going into the game, which I felt like the playoff game we were. 
which puts a lot of onus on the quarterback, and suddenly that a team like that can just pin their ears back and the pass game isn't clicking. You get down two scores, and it's all she wrote kind of yep. thing because now you're out of sync. You're out of your identity. So I always like teams to stay with what you do but find a way to attack your opponent within that. Don't change what you do. Oh, Ben, plenty of, uh, plenty to chew on here for this matchup, and we'll be back next week here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast to break it all down and get ready for Eagles-Cardinals, but uh, make sure you go check out Ben and I on the Journey to the Draft podcast as well. We'll be breaking down everything to expect uh, here this weekend in college football uh, as well as your Eagles game here on Sunday afternoon. Ben, we will talk to you next week. Great stuff from Ben, who you can follow on Twitter, just like I do, at BenFennel underscore NFL. And while you're at it, I'm at EaglesXOs. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's Notes content that we produce here with Eagles Entertainment. You know how much I appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on social media, but that is just only one way to support this show. The best way is to head on over to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify. Leave us a rating. Leave us a comment. If you've got a question, we will answer it here on an upcoming show. I know we answered some questions earlier this week. So if you've got a question about this Eagles team, I want to hear it. Go on to that Apple podcast feed. Leave it there in the comment box. We will answer it on an upcoming show. We'll get to it uh, next Monday with Greg Cosell. Now, uh, let's wrap this show up. Excited to catch up with John Shipley. Does a great job covering the Jaguars. It's time for Faux Focus. What's this matchup look like from the other side? It's time to find out in Faux Focus. All right, this week, excited to welcome in for the first time here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, uh, John Shipley does an outstanding job breaking down the Jacksonville Jaguars for the Jaguar Report. You can follow him on Twitter at John underscore Shipley, one of the the preeminent voices covering this team. Uh, John, it's got to be exciting breaking down this football team right now. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. It really is. I mean, obviously only three games into the season, but I mean, just these three games compared to the first three games of, say, last year, even the year before, I mean, (laughs) Just dramatically different. It seems like after, you know, years and years of rebuilding uh, Jaguars, you know, trying to convince themselves that the air is pointing up, it feels like for once the air, you know, actually is. Yeah, enough can't be said about Doug Peterson and his staff and what they've done through three weeks so far. All right. Well, this is an exercise we do weekly here on the show where uh, I bring in somebody from the other side and just kind of ask them to put on uh, first their offensive coordinator hat. So I'll ask you uh, to play the role of Press Taylor here. What is the biggest strength for this offense entering this game against the Eagles? What gives you the most confidence in your ability to win this game? Yeah, I think the big thing is just finding the mismatches really throughout the defensive scheme, whoever they're playing. I mean, the the offense kind of has a chameleon, you know, like, like, uh, identity to where it's been a different, you know, attack each week, you know, against Washington, they were a different offense than they were in week two against the Colts against the chargers. You know, they were a different team. You know, they kind of run their scheme against wherever the weakness is for the other team. So I think if you're press Taylor and the Jaguars offensive staff, the big thing I'm looking at right now is, you know, kind of the mismatches that you're getting uh, out of the slot guys like Christian Kirk, uh, obviously, you know, the first two weeks, the Washington commanders and Indianapolis Colts, you know, didn't really, it felt like respect the Kirk matchup out the slot. A lot of times uh, the Jaguars, their personnel and just, you know, the formations they kind of came with kind of dictated that, you know, they got linebackers force on them. And then last week against the Chargers, you saw the Chargers divert a lot of attention to Kirk that, you know, helped Zay Jones have a big game. So I think the Jaguars, you know, they just they do a really good job of kind of riding the hot hand of the offense, kind of having a different flavor of the week each week. And then, I mean, just specifically against this Eagles team, I think, you know, really committing to that downhill running and that kind of one-two punch they have with James Robinson, Travis CPN. You know, the Eagles, they've obviously, you know, blown out the last couple of opponents. They haven't really been in games where their opponents are having, you know, a chance to really set the tone with the running game. But I think the Jaguars can do that early, that that'd be advantageous for their offense. I'm glad you kind of touched on the, the difference in game plan and kind of the, the approach in week three versus week one and week two, just because uh, that Brandon Staley defense is similar in ways, in a lot of ways, to what Jonathan Gannon does here in Philadelphia. Outside of uh, you know focusing on Zay Jones with Kirk getting a lot of that extra attention, did you see anything else that kind of stood out as differences from week three to the, the first two games that we could see here this weekend? Yeah, no, I absolutely did. I mean, I, I saw just in terms of how the Jaguars actually used their personnel, it seems like they opened up the playbook a bit more. I mean, they had one formation where I think Travis Etienne was yeah. you know, taking a direct snap at Wildcat, and then he had 
Christian Kirk and Jamal Agnew in the backfield with him, and James Robinson in the slot. You know, it, it was like a Frankenstein of their <laughs> offensive weapons. And, you know, between that and I think just, you know, maybe relying a bit more on the screen game, they did that a lot mm. uh, against the Chargers because, you know, just the man coverage they play, the pressure they can bring with the front, you know, it's a good way to kind of slow down the pass rush. I mean, that's kind of been Travis Etienne's bread and butter so far this season. You saw it a lot more last week, but I think definitely the screen game is something that you could definitely see from them a lot this week because, I mean, it's something their offensive line executes really well, too. Uh, so they certainly to watch. Well, uh, Press Taylor, former uh, Eagles assistant coach. Let's now go to another former Eagles assistant in Mike Caldwell, the defensive coordinator. You put on your Mike Caldwell hat. What is the biggest strength for this Jaguars defense going into this matchup? No, I mean, I think the biggest strength is, you know, absolutely the pressure that they're able to bring, yeah. you know, with their front seven. You know, not just the front four, but uh, I mean, they really they, they get their inside linebackers really involved in their pressure scheme, whether it's, you know, blitzing them. Uh, kind of sugar into a gaps with you know mug a gaps looks or even I mean they had some looks last week and in week two where you know they would move Trayvon Walker inside and put Devin Lloyd on the edge uh, and put Josh Allen even outside of Devin Lloyd where you kind of simulate where Lloyd can drop back Allen can come in and kind of cause confusion for you know the the front five and the blocking scheme so I just think you know with how many different athletes they have up front and how many different directions they can line up in and just really the ways they can throw that pass rush at a team, I think can cause confusion, you know, for any offense. The, you know, flip side is the Eagles probably have the best offensive line they're going to face this year. I mean, this is kind of a benchmark test for the Jaguars pass rush. I know, I think they only sacked Herbert once, but I mean, they, they recorded, I think, 18 pressures in the yep. game. So they, they, they were all over him. So I, I, I think that this can be a really good test for, you know, how much pressure they can, get on a quarterback who, again, you know, not just the offensive line, but I mean, Jalen Hurts, he's the most mobile quarterback they've played so far this year. I mean, I'm, I'm interested to see how their defense looks against a quarterback who's able to actually break the pocket because you weren't getting that getting that with Herbert last week. And then, of course, Matt Ryan uh, looked a bit <laughs> geriatric in week two. How do you, do you think that they're going to adjust that plan of attack with it being more of a mobile quarterback just because we haven't seen it through the first three weeks? I really don't think so because, I mean, even during the preseason, the kind of identity of this defense and throughout training camp was, you know, bringing multiple looks so that they could put pressure on the quarterback and create negative plays. I mean, the biggest reason they have so many turnovers is, I mean, simply because of the pressure they've been getting. I think there's maybe out of the eight takeaways that they have on defense, I think maybe only one or two didn't have, you know, a big pressure look, you know, heavily involved or at least some pressure or stunt or a game up front. So I, I think that you know, that's just kind of who they are and they're going to live and die with it. You know, obviously hurts. It is, you know, a much different type of quarterback that they face, but I, I think that, you know, that's just, it's kind of like how their defense, you know, not schematically similarly, but you know, 2017 when they had, you know, that great defense, they played their game and their scheme the same, the same week, no matter who they played. And that's kind of how I feel. You know, this Jaguars defense is, is, you know, they're going to do what they think they do best. Some weeks will work out. Some weeks it won't. So now, if you're if you're Doug Peterson going into this game, what what is the biggest concern? This could be on either side of the football going into this matchup against the Eagles. I, I think the biggest concern is definitely how can the secondary hold up against uh, Philadelphia's you know their weapons. You know, obviously Dallas good at, at tight end. You know, he's one of the better pass catching tight ends in the NFL. But I mean, AJ Brown is somebody the Jaguars struggled with the last couple of years. He was in Tennessee, and he never had a counterpart like Devonta Smith. You know, I mean, this is, in my opinion, the best receiver duo the Jaguars are going to play uh, all, all year. You know, Tyson Campbell's had some strong moments this season, but he's also had some moments where you know he still kind of struggles finding the ball in the air. Yeah. So he's susceptible to being hit by a big play, especially in the red zone. Mike Williams uh, caught one on him. Uh, you saw Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaurin have big plays in week one. So I feel like this is a secondary that it's still, you know, while, while it's been playing better the last couple of weeks, it's still suspectable, in my opinion, when they go against top receivers. And I mean, I, I, I could see either A.J. Brown or Devonta Smith going off this game. It's early in the week. It's we're shooting this uh, on Tuesday afternoon, so obviously a lot of time left. But uh, Shaq Griffin was was out last week. He was inactive due to an injury. Uh, do you feel, get the sense that he's trending towards playing this week, or do you think it'll be Trey Herndon? Uh, I can tell you, even just like kind of going through uh, social media, it seemed like some fans were excited about the new look secondary last week with with Griffin out. But uh, what do you, what is uh, your sense of how that situation will play out? Yeah, no, Gr Griffin's injury happened really late in the week because I'm. I mean, Doug Peterson went met with the media on Friday, and there was you know, no injuries to report. And then yeah. they obviously 
they have practice an hour and a half to two hours after he meets with the media. That's when it looks like the injury did happen during Friday's practice. So as of right now, it doesn't look like at least the early signs or that, you know, he's going to be available. I think they're going to obviously try to see how he goes in practice this week. But I mean, the Jaguars are also facing a tough pass this week in terms of travel, their routine yep. because of, you know, some impending storms in Florida. So, I mean, it's, it's up in the air, but I would guess that you can see Darius Williams and Tyson Campbell start the game. And then you see Trey Herndon come on the field and Nickel sets and, you know, like, like you said, Darius Williams, in my opinion, is, you know, probably better outside than Chad Griffin is. And you can make the argument that Trey Herndon's a better nickel corner than Darius. I mean, Darius Williams, you know, it's he is just an odd fit in the slot. You know, he's much better outside. So, I mean, you could make the argument that they're actually upgrading at two positions mm. with Griffin out, which is odd to say when he's their highest paid player, I believe, this year. But, man, that's, that's just how, how it goes. Most pivotal matchup on Sunday afternoon in your mind, John. Uh, what do you think is you know one of the, the one-on-one battle that is most pivotal? Yeah, I, I think the one-on-one battle is absolutely going to be uh, Josh Allen versus Lane Johnson. I think you know Josh Allen. He's really benefited from having Trayvon Walker on the other side of him, and the Jaguars have responded with you know frequently lining Allen up against the right tackle. You know. In most cases, obviously, it's not the case with the Eagles, but in most cases, the right tackles where a team puts, you know, kind of their lesser tackle or lesser pass protector. Uh, so I expect to see Allen against Lane Johnson a lot this week. Uh, you know, whether the Jaguars, in my opinion, uh, hang in this game and have a chance to win it is if they can create negative plays for Philadelphia's offense, you know, trying to force them into mistakes. And the only way I think they can do that is if they get pressure. So I, I think Allen versus Johnson is going to be a big matchup. And I mean, Allen's had a great year this year. Uh, Lane Johnson, you know, best right tackle in football. This is, you know, a benchmark test. You can follow all of his work uh, on Twitter at John underscore Shipley. Again, outstanding stuff uh, covering this team for the Jaguar Report. John, thanks so much for joining us here for Faux Focus on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Hey, thanks for having me on, man, and look forward to some of this game. For for once, it seems like Jaguars as an opponent seems like an exciting game. Uh, no question about it. Thanks again, John. Uh, thanks, man. All right, so great stuff there from John Shipley. Now, before we wrap the show up, a little bit more coverage here from our Eagles game plan crew. That's John Clark, Ike Reese, Mike Quick, Greg Cosell. Due to time constraints, couldn't squeeze all of our analysis this week into that 30-minute show on Eagles game plan. So, all the little leftovers I left for you right here. What does it do for the Eagles' offense and also for the defense they're facing when Jalen Hurts is hitting on those big plays? Nobody has more 40-plus yard pass plays in the NFL right now. Well, this is a front that's going to be really tough to run the football against, and their linebackers are outstanding linebackers. They've got Devin Lloyd, the kid they drafted in the first round last year. They got Alua Khan they picked up in the offseason. Their linebackers are stout. They're outstanding players. They're long. They're rangy. They get to the football. I think where the Eagles will have success is on the outside. These wide receivers, how does Mike Caldwell slow down the wide receivers of the Eagles? That's going to be the big quandary for them. And it's going to be difficult because what I saw last week is Jalen, his trust in his wide receivers is starting to grow. He's giving them opportunities. Even when the defense has good coverage there, he has the belief that his guy, whether it's A.J. or it's Devontae or even Quez or Dallas Goddard, they're going to go up and make a play on the football. And when a quarterback is believing in his guys that way, it's almost nothing a defense can do to stop him. Oh, you got to love it. When you're a wide receiver and you know that your quarterback's going to give you an opportunity, your eyes light up. You get excited. <laughs> you know, when you get down on that goal line the way they were in that hurry-up situation and you know that he's going to come to you, you really light up. Facing a pro bowler in Josh Allen, Trayvon Walker, these guys, they can get after the quarterback. Just how good have Lane Johnson and Jordan Mailata been? Unbelievable. Lane Johnson, you know, we don't talk about him enough, I don't believe, yeah. because he is playing some of the best football. The defenders never get near the quarterback on Lane Johnson's side. That's how well he's playing. Jordan Mailata, he just continues to grow as a football player. Yeah, you're looking at two of arguably the best players at their position. I've long said Lane Johnson is the best right tackle in football, and Mike's right. He doesn't get the recognition and the credit that he deserves, but you rarely see negative plays from his side of the line of scrimmage. And Jordan Mailata, he's just scratching the surface. Yeah. This, this guy's going to be good for the next decade. He's getting a little nasty, too. Like, he's getting a mean streak in him. <laughs> is there a better tandem in the league? I don't, I don't think, think so. so. Yeah. All right. You saw that Christian Kirk touchdown out of the backfield in the end zone. Look familiar. Doug Peterson's coming back to Philly, huh? Yeah, we're going to see a lot of stuff that we're familiar with seeing, especially the concepts. You're going to see those crossing routes. 
Kristen Kirk. They got another kid, Jamal Agnew. And he likes those guys on the little gadget stuff that Doug likes to do. And we're going to see a lot of that. Evan Ingram, the tight end, some of the same things that the tight ends did here when Doug was here. We'll see a lot of that same action. And pre-snap recognition is going to be important for our defense because if you understand from a formation standpoint what Jacksonville is trying to do to you, they're going to be able to communicate on the back end of the defense, the passing routes, the crossing routes, some of these pick routes. Uh, so I think the pre-snap recognition and then having that communication that the Eagles have been doing such a good job at is going to be important for them. About that defensive front, we're really seeing a rejuvenated Fletcher Cox. He has said a couple times maybe he got in his own way last year. How good is Fletcher and Javon Hargrave playing? Well, what you're seeing is, is that when you add players the way the Eagles have added this offseason, they're feeding off of each other. You know, good talent, great athletes. They tend to motivate the yeah. player that's lining up next to them. And that's what you're getting. Not a nice, healthy competition amongst the defensive linemen. Believe me, when they figured it was a sack party last week, everybody wanted to get invited to that thing. So it's like, meet me at the quarterback. And it's great to see Fletcher back out there having fun and being productive. And the NFC's defensive player of the week for the first time in his career, Brandon Graham, an outstanding football game. He had two and a half sacks. And like Ike said, when there's a party and everybody's trying to get to the quarterback, it's a healthy competition and everybody wants to be a part of it. Now, Jim Bob Cooter was on Nick Sirianni's staff here in Philly last year. He's the one guy. Do you think Doug Peterson is picking his brain about all the tendencies and things with the Nick Sirianni offense and the team? Of course, they are. I'm sure they are. I mean, when you're in this league, you try to gain any edge that you can. And if that's some familiarity on your coaching staff with the opposing team that you're going up against, you're going to be picking their brains for all the information and intel that you can find. And every little bit it helps, but here's the thing. We also know Doug a little bit too around a here. Bit. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> know him well. And again, be sure to check out Eagles Game Plan. It goes up digitally on Friday across all Eagles channels, or if you live in the Philadelphia area, Sunday morning, NBC 10 at 10 a.m. Great stuff there from the Eagles Game Plan crew, as always. Thanks to all of them, and thank you to you as well for all of your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcasts here with Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.